Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker, and today on the show, I am talking to the CEO of Two Thirds, Lutz Schwenke. And Two Thirds is a company that was founded in 2010 out of a deep love for the ocean. Their brand has evolved into a community of like-minded people and together they want to create clothing with zero impact on the planet and its oceans. They use fabrics that save water, turn plastic waste into quality garments and wrap orders in paper packaging. Their operations are all climate neutral and a fascinating chap, fascinating fellow. I think you'll enjoy this one. Thanks for tuning in this year. That's been it for 2022. But here now to describe two thirds in his own words is... Lutz Schwenke. Well, basically, uh, I think we're here talking about menswear. We actually have a menswear and a womenswear line. But if I would talk about menswear only, I would probably say it's a brand for the gentleman surfer. So it was born out of the idea that um, I was growing older and all the surf brands that I was wearing, they were getting younger, younger and younger. And I kind of felt I was you know, equally passionate about surfing and the entire ocean culture, but somehow the brands were not reflecting that in the style that I was living it anymore. And uh, yeah, that's that's how Two Thirds was born, actually. Interesting. So the brand, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, was conceived in 2010, I want to say? Yes. Yeah, yes, so, correct, in 2010. So now, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking, Lutz? <laughs> uh, I'm, for, I'm 42 I'm 42 okay. so I was, I, was, right. I was 30 I, I was 30 years old um, I actually um, studied macroeconomics and politics actually most of it in the UK and um, then ended up doing a, a, a PhD um, and I worked at the United Nations and uh, it all sounded really ide- idealistic and, and interesting and lots of traveling and, and good salaries, etc. But halfway in, I just got super bored. Um, I had I had this thing of like, I have to write a PhD thesis of about 300 pages and I can't even read a 300 page book about the topic. Uh, so how am I ever in life going to write a 300 uh, pages? And, and then also I was... Um, I mean, I think the United Nations is, is a good organization, but but I was a bit um, disappointed in terms of, uh, yeah, um, getting just getting my hands dirty and doing stuff. But it was very, very theoretical, et cetera. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up to to think about um, doing my own thing. And, and that's how somehow two thirds then uh, right. ended up coming to life. Yeah. And and so you're. I'm just trying to get the moment that you twigged that there was something that you needed to do in the fashion world versus what you were doing and you trained and it must have been, was it quite a gamble at the time to, to make the leap? I think it was quite a gamble because I was in a very good position at at various levels where I was. Um, So starting up, whatever you do is obviously a big risk or it feels like a big risk at the moment. Um, but apart from that, I, I I really had no fashion experience whatsoever. The only thing that I knew was that I like clothing, I like buying clothing. I would never consider myself a fashionista per se, but I always liked clothing and I always had appreciation for clothing. And uh, apparently my, my brother, when I founded the brand, told me that uh, at the age of 14, 15, I would tell him that it would be so cool if there was a surf brand, which would be different, etc. So... So actually, I didn't remember that anymore at the time that I founded Two Thirds, but he told me. 
And so it was not um, like the typical fashion startup where you would say, I worked at a fashion company before, uh, I got all the experience, I'm a designer or whatever, and then I start my own. It was really very different. And, and I think mine actually came from the sustainability angle, uh, from the marketing angle, and from the appreciation for fashion. So so it was a bit different in the way of it, how, how it was um, created. Um, also, I'm, I'm not the designer. I just have sort of the the vision um of of what i wanted to look like but but i i then hired designers etc so yeah interesting so do you give designers a guide or a brief or a mood board from what's in your head and how and if so how do you kind of project what you want into something that they can execute i mean it it's it's very it was very different then than it is now um uh, back then it was kind of my vision in my head and then um the designer or the designers would come and would say are you sure <laughs> and, and then how is it possible you really want this um and and then now obviously we have a design team our head of design has been with us for 7 years so so it's a very, very sort of um, how do you say that in English? Like it's it's like an oiled engine, you know what I mean? It's 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 very in tune. We all know the brand really well. We all know what we want. So um, it it was mood boards before. Now it's basically for me rather saying, hey, I would like to do this, this or that, and and the main sort of collection is created by them, presented to me, and then I usually give my 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 go ahead. So they, they're already like very much in tune with, with the brand because we, we have most of our employees have been with us for, for quite some time. Right. And so yeah. what are you putting on those mood boards in the very early days? You say you're not a fashionista yourself, so you perhaps don't go out shopping and have a, I'm guessing you don't have like a, a, a wardrobe of yourself that you go, right, people need to look like how I look, but you, you do have something in your mind of what the brand should look like. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, for me, it was always this feeling of clothing. And that's why I think the gentleman surfer is a nice description, because it kind of felt like I would like to have clothing that has this beach relaxed vibe to it. But you could still wear it on a casual Friday in any office, you know, and 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 that was the, 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 the key idea. And then... Um, uh, obviously, we're a sustainable brand, um, so I think sustainability comes together with quality because nothing that doesn't last long is sustainable. So that immediately takes you to classics because you know if if you have a product that you could maybe wear 15, 20 years, um, then obviously you have to create something that is not too fashiony and only lasts a season. You have to create something more timeless. So I think it's the, it's this combination of um, being inspired to a certain extent by um, uh, surfing brands and their beach relaxed vibe, and on the other hand, being inspired rather by yeah workwear brands from the UK, uh, you know, good good sort of quality brands from Japan, sort of more more sort of classic men's workwear, which which for me. It, has a bit this um relaxed feel to it you know because you you know typical workwear jacket that could also mm -hmm. you could also wear as a 
just sort of as an overshirt on a casual Friday, etc. That that type of that type of product, and um, and then when we work a lot with uh, linen, which for me is a very sort of gentleman, but also beachy type of um, material. So yeah, um, but that's kind of the vision that I had in my head. I just kind of wanted to transport the traditional surf brands into more gentleman style setting and, and more classy, less logo, um, less colors, etc. Interesting. Yeah. Anyone that um, is a listener to the show, a regular listener, I should say, knows that I kind of get my steer with clothes by watching films and picking up nods and, you know, like you mentioned the beach classic i think uh, i was just showing a picture here you can perhaps see it on the youtube of the yeah. aaron sweater it's kind of has the echoes of steve mcqueen and thomas crown affair and and things like that were you looking at any particular films or actors at all when you were when you were well the, the funny thing is that 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 uh, sweater is actually from a mood board that i sent with a picture of steve mcqueen so um that's that's quite <laughs> right there there we go um, um, I mean, I, I don't have any particular um, movie, etc. But I think everything that um, was a bit the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s uh, beach culture from California, but also, I mean, we're a European brand, but we're a surf-inspired brand. So surf inspiration takes you to Australia and to California and those places where people dress up quite differently. And then um, being of European heritage, it takes you more to, you know, Biarritz, Saint-Tropez, those type of places. Plus, we, our creative director is from Denmark. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like what, what, what really is like swirling all in is those surf influences, um, the European classic heritage beach culture mixed in with this sort of uh it, it sounds like a crazy mix but uh mixed in with uh um yeah sort of a very subtle scandinavian less is more type of attitude mm. i think that's that's how that's sort of our pool of inspiration um which sounds a bit crazy but uh yeah <laughs> no it makes sense, makes sense. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um if anyone goes on the website i think they'll get that feel for it as well it's it's less uh less point break um yeah like you say more gentlemen on a surfboard which is is i hope the the reach you're going for and you mentioned sustainability yeah. as well what was the so i'm curious like sustainability is a word that everyone knows now and it's it's obviously something that um people really strive for and brands really do pledges before they put all launches together um, but what was the landscape like for you at 2010 what was the word like and what was the mood music around sustainability when you launched this brand I mean, it was interesting because back in the days, I mean, uh, today we're entirely D2C brand, uh, entirely e-commerce driven. And back in the day, we were, we had uh, distributors, we had uh, wholesale, uh, we even had two own stores. So it was, it was a different um, infrastructure that we had in terms of points of sale. So um, I'm, I'm mentioning this because uh, back in 2010, all the buyers were like, okay, okay, it's sustainable. Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, nobody really cared about it. Um, and then at the, some, some did. And then at the same time, um, in terms of production, it was quite a nightmare because you would go somewhere and and they would be like, um, organic 
cotton. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a role in white and black back there somewhere. But mm. if if you really want this, um, so yeah, it was an, an organic cotton in our days is absolute basic, and it's probably the the lowest level of us doing sustainable materials. And we have many more that are way more sustainable than that. But anyways, it's it's interesting how that how that shifted. And, and at the beginning, is it was a bit of a nightmare, really, um, in, in terms of um, prices, production, and, and just getting a collection together. Yeah. But it was something very important for you, though. I mean, it was important for me because, I mean, I think that's also why I mentioned the United Nations. I think it's a bit like what drives me. And, and I think studying what I studied and, and, and working where I worked before I started two-thirds is it's kind of I could never just do something for the sake of um, making money or, or or just pure creativity. Um, but um, I'm sorry, my daughter is just uh, running in here. It's okay. We got an, <laughs> after, after something very important. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Um, so yeah, no. Um, so so the the feeling was okay if. if if I do something, I feel. I mean, I, I don't. I don't see myself as saving the world or anything like that. I, I think I'm a realist, uh, being an idealist, but being a realist at the same time. So, yeah, I, I just felt I, I needed to do something that would make sense to me and, and at least do it the right way. Um, I think yeah, that's 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 what's been driving me. It sounds like you can sleep well at night. <laughs> knowing that you're, <laughs> yeah. you're doing your bit at least and anyone that wears your clothing is yeah. also it's a step towards the light at least um so how in terms of numbers over the course of like i guess 12 years and i think 13 years now you've had this brand and i guess the trajectory has been pretty good is there i mean we've had like covid and things like that were there any blips or obstacles along the way where you thought maybe it's time yeah to go back yeah yeah well, yeah, there were probably the first five years were really tough. We we launched uh, as a classical, the classic way, went to the Bread and Butter show in Berlin and all mm-hmm. the capsule shows in, in New York and et cetera, et cetera. And at the beginning, we were quite successful. Um, but then it was also at the same time that, that online was more and more present. So we had um, customers like Zalando um, and, and we got into this typical how do you say vicious circle of trying to please everybody um our japanese distributor zalando um also doing everything doing own online store own store and 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 basically by 2015 i I was pretty exhausted um as a as a as an entrepreneur because i was traveling all the time my I have four kids. The first two, I basically barely saw them at the beginning. Um, and, and, and my wife wasn't too happy either. So anyway, so it was a complicated uh, situation for me. And, and as well, I, I had the feeling that um, there were too many influences on the brand. Uh, we did like some crazy shirts for a Japanese distributor. Then we did other things for um, someone like Bloomingdale's, etc. And and um, in between collabs for vans and I don't know it's, it was a very chaotic thing and in 2015 I just basically came to the to the point where I said okay I have to change something here I'm, I'm otherwise I'm going to have a, four to, uh, a heart attack at, at the age of uh, 40 <laughs> and 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 that's where we basically um, 
size down a little bit in 2015, um, went totally online, uh, hired people that were experts in, in online sales, uh, moved the entire production to, to Europe, um, even jackets, knitwear, everything was moved to Europe um, to have a sort of a smaller, more flexible infrastructure. We introduced pre-order, which basically was that we would uh, put three products online, uh, would see for seven or 10 days how much what sold, and then we would kind of start production uh, based on a projection oh, really? okay. of sales. I mean, so, yeah. Right. And, and so that I'm really, really... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I, I trampled over you. Sorry, but I'm interested in this because on the website it says that you're the you, you pioneered the the pre-order um, yeah. concept really, and and I'm curious as to so you put the designs on the website, but do you kind of have a stockpile of these designs ready to go um, ahead of anything else, or do you just do like prototypes of these designs, see what see what there is a demand for, and then go right, we're going to hammer these out. Yeah, it's basically we we do prototypes, do the shootings, and then we see what the demand is. Um, the system has changed a little bit over the course of time. At the beginning, when we were testing a lot of things, we did a lot of prototypes and then canceled a lot of them, told the customer, the two customers that bought the one that didn't make it, hey, here's your money back, we're sorry, uh, we're not going to produce this one. Um, and then with the course of time, our collections got bigger, um, there's products like winter jackets where you can't apply the system because the lead times are too long and the customer is not going to wanting to wait for three months. Um, So we did a lot more in summer. And then obviously what that did is we online from 2015 to now, we've been actually growing a lot and been quite successful. And that simply created more data in terms of we knew what our customers like, what our customers want. So basically, at the the beginning, maybe 50% of our collection was a pre-order test, and then maybe 20 or 30% would be canceled, whereas now we're at 10 to 15% because we already know how to design, what to design, and what's going to be bought and what's not going to be bought. So so it's it's less now. Um, But yeah, it's been a very good system because in terms of sustainability, first of all, it it helped us to grow um, as a company. And at the same time, I think it's probably the most sustainable thing about any brand because we sell 100% of our stock. We don't, we don't, we never have stock left ever. That's right. Wow. And so how do you aggregate the data though? Is it like email surveys or do you, you know, what, how do you get the the opinions of people as to what designs you should be pushing forward? It's basically just sales. So we put them online. We say, let's say we, we would put a t-shirt online, um, I don't know, uh, middle of February would tell you uh, ETD is middle of April or beginning of March. Um, right. Then we would see how much it sells. And basically we would hit the production button at 10 days after we launched the product. So maybe we would have sold 100 white ones, 150 blue ones and 10 red ones. So we'll probably cancel the red one and then say, okay, we're going to produce right. 1,500 white ones and 1,000 blue ones or something like this. So basically, uh, you kind of make a projection of sales. And really it's good. been interesting that that the people were really willing to go with it and and understood it. And uh, it's actually interesting now because we had a couple of uh, people, obviously, 
complaining about us online, etc. And 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 now after five or six years, the way someone complains about pre-order, which happens rarely because we have a big customer service team and they explain you everything and you get thousands of emails telling you about the process, etc. But it's sometimes that someone complains and then you have seven or eight customers under the Instagram post saying, no, 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 you didn't understand. It's pre-order. It's super cool. Oh, they, <laughs> so, oh great. So was, they come, yeah, they come so to your really, defense. They defend your yes, honor. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's really that's, nice. To that's the best way is having your having your um, yeah. your community do that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so I was, it's interesting though that concept of the pre order because I was just talking to another guest on the show um, from a company called Blake Mill, and they would have like a shirt design, and then they would put it out and field test it with like email data and stuff like that. Which ones would you go for? And out of all of their 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 customers they would go right we'll like that one and then they'll put that into production and then when it goes into production sometimes they said they wouldn't even sell one you know so it's kind of like people might say something yes on an email but it's really money that talks isn't it so if you're literally buying something and then going right i'll invest i'll put that into that design you go ahead and make it that's kind of that's the real proof of the pudding no, I, I totally i totally agree with that i mean we 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 did testing like this before we we tried to do it with winter jackets where at the end we ended up having a pre-order, but we already, I mean, it would go live in pre-order and would be delivered, let's say in October, but it would be pre-orderable in September, but, but we already pressed the production button in June. So it was, you know, we couldn't change anything anymore. We already had to make the decision. So we tried to optimize that. And we asked on Instagram, we did like contests and we asked, do you want the white jacket or the blue? And, and I, can only agree with the company you're just mentioning because it was totally off. Like because people, people would say, uh, you know, super funky color, and the people would say, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah, that one. But then, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it's it, it's kind of like what they do in physical stores. You no, know, you go in and they put like a like a really pop color at the beginning to hang the same style in navy just behind it, and they you end up buying the navy one. And I think it's the kind of it's the same uh, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually guilty of this as well. When people say, will you sponsor me if I do a plane jump, you know, like a skydive? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I've been like thinking they'll never do it. And when they come back to me with all the photos, I'm like, oh, I'll have to delete this guy <laughs> from my friend. Like, I'll have to block him from everything and move home. Damn it. Um, I digress. Let's, uh, we have, um, do we have plans for 2023? I mean, in terms of what's next, uh, I know you say you're online only, but perhaps any, pop-ups or anything like that can come to london maybe um no we would love to obviously but we just decided that we're going to stay purely digital there was a lot of talk about um us doing uh pop-up events uh even thought about airbnb apartments uh, showing the collection in various cities uh there's we've been talking in the company for ages to um open a flagship store in barcelona um, but we're always coming back to kind of two thirds for me as a, as an entrepreneur. Um, there was this time two ten to two fifteen where I suffered, and I felt that you know the product wasn't perfect. Just I wasn't really hundred percent happy. And then there's for me is this time two thousand fifteen to two thousand twenty two that went really well. I'm super happy with the product with our suppliers. Everything feels just right. And that's the moment uh-huh. where we focus, where we focused. But we focused on product in terms of production facility. We focused on 
product groups, we said, okay, we could also do this product, but let's stay focused. And and I really kind of learned that that I think we can offer the coolest and best product if we are focused. So that's why we just decided to stay fully digital um, and actually put everything in um, creating the best digital experience you can have. Um, so we basically said, okay, um, let's try to be the physical store online, which is a high benchmark. You know, you go into a store, there's a nice person in the best case, and you can look 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 at the product, you can try the product, you can put it on, and you can give them your credit card and walk out of the store. I mean, that's a pretty high benchmark. So um, for us, it's really the plan to to yeah to get to that point where the where the online experience feels almost as an in-store experience. I know it sounds very not romantic, but I feel that's where where we're good at. Um, and what is sort of coming in 2023 for us, we're going to move a bit more into like quality basics made in Europe as we do everything, but we're going to expand the whole basic range, which has really worked well for us. Um, and we are... Um, expanding uh, into the United States, which we already started, which is actually working quite well. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess our focus is going to be more quality basics, territory expansion into the United States. Um, and then what I'm really happy about is, and maybe that's interesting because it's, I think we're talking about menswear here, right? Um, the, the the menswear collection is really close to my heart because it kind of we founded the brand like this and mm. and it started and now as as we have the problem like every other brand women are like eighty five percent of our sales uh, it's gotten really really big and and then uh, a year ago um, we hired a really really good menswear designer and kind of like both of us as a sort of passionate internal project are are really taking care of the of the menswear collection like i have to be honest with you some styles in the women i i i don't know what they're called or haven't even seen them sometimes because <laughs> there's a lot of product relaunching whereas in menswear really like every piece uh crosses my table i wear them i try them um and and that's also something that that we really want to expand a little bit um further in in 2023 to you know because we're we're a company that is very consumer driven and and also sounds not very romantic but very data driven so we see what customer like and and we we produce accordingly but we said we need sort of this playground for us of that vision where we just don't say okay this is working they like this color they like this but we we want to create sort of this this internal innovation lab of our design department together with me, where we just do whatever we like, you know, and, and we just feel the world needs to see this. So this is also yeah. something for 2023 that we're really looking forward to. Exciting times. Um, well, listen, Lutz, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for walking me through the brand. Twofirds.com is a place people can go and check out the garments. Twofirds underscore BCN, as in barcelona i guess that's kind of yes the, correct that's it's where fun. you can hang out on instagram and see more of the collections there at a glance but and we'll put all the links over on the show notes over at menswearstyle.co.uk but in the meantime Lutz, thanks for jumping on and uh hope to see you at some point in london in the new year 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hasta luego. Feliz Navidad. Great. You've been listening to the Menswear Style podcast. Be sure to head over to menswearstyle.co.uk for more menswear content and email info at menswearstyle.co.uk if you'd like to be a future guest on the show. Finally, please help support the show by leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time.